thank you so much. Today we worship you. We worship your holy name, God. We thank you for not only what you've already done, but what you're going to do. You're a good God. But yet, God, as I say that, I know that we've got things going on in our life that aren't good. And sometimes, I'll just be honest, that makes me question things sometimes, like, are you that good? And I know that's wrong to do, God, but I just want to be honest with you that I know there are things going on in my life, in the lives of many people here today that they don't understand. They're questioning, they're wondering, they're hurting in areas. And I believe with all my heart, Father, that is exactly why we're here today. You want to speak directly to us. You want to minister in a way that only you can do. God, we lift our cares to you. We lift our worries to you. We trust you. We thank you. We give you glory, God. Do what only you can do. Send that Holy Spirit. Work in us and through us and speak to us clearly and boldly, God. And may we do whatever you tell us to do. We love you. We thank you. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen, amen. You can have a seat. It is good to be with you. If you're new, I'm going to say, Casey already said it, but i got to say it again. If this is your first time at Meadows Church, welcome home. We're super excited. Um, so when I was in college, uh, I, the summers I would go back to my hometown. And one summer, I think it was after my freshman year of college, I went back there, and my friends and I heard about this establishment where you could go and you could have this battle with your friends outdoors using a paintball fight, like a paintball fight, you know what I'm saying? So we'd never done that before, uh, heard about it, but I thought, okay, this is cool, something different. So me and my buddies, uh, on a Saturday morning, we jumped into two vehicles, and we headed about an hour I was somewhere. I could not tell you today where we went. It was backwoods, South Dakota. I couldn't drive there if I had to. I believe they filmed the movie Deliverance there, if I'm not mistaken. But in Aaron, Aaron, it was it was backwoods, okay? So we pull up, and it was nuts. It, it wasn't really a business. It was more of like Billy Joel Jim Bob's farm that he just turned into a paintball place. So Billy Joel Jim Bob meets us and starts handing out the the, the, the guns and the ammo, the paintballs. And we're like, this is cool. This is going to be awesome. And Billy Joel looks at us. He says, you guys didn't come prepared, did you? And we're like, what do you mean prepared? We're, we're here. We got the guns. We've got the ammo. And he says, you, you, you're supposed to be wearing long pants. We had a lot of us had shorts on. He said, you should have long pants on, long sleeves on, loose clothing. And we're like, we didn't know any of that. I mean, I think I had spandex on. I don't even know. It's, I had shorts. I had a tank top. And he's like, well, and he gave us some protection, if you will. He handed out a little mask. He goes, well, you know, he gave us a little mask to wear on our face. That was it. So nothing else. So we didn't know what we were getting into. And he goes, and I never forget him saying, he said, these little things, he's holding up a paintball. These little buggers here hurt. And we're like, well, it's paint. You know, seriously, how bad can it hurt? Um, can I tell you something? Uh, when we did our first battle, I, I don't know if I've experienced this much pain in a long time. I got hit right here. And I literally went down, like screaming like a schoolgirl, begging for the ambulance to come. I watched the welt, like welt up right, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Just like a huge mosquito bite. And I, after that, I was so gun shy. I'm like, I was freaked out. I didn't want to get hit. I was scared. By the third battle that we had, I literally found some bushes and some brush to hide behind. 
you would never want me in your foxhole. You would, you would die, okay? I would just, I would hide. So I'm hiding, and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to put myself out there anymore because I had some welts and I had some pain. And I thought, I'm just going to hide here and just kind of snipe people as I have a chance. So I'm sitting there, and I'm hiding like this. And I, I can see kind of a good uh, a Billy Joe's farm. I can see pretty much everything. And I see some of my, my buddies getting hit. And I'm like, ooh, that's got to hurt. But I didn't, you know, I didn't care. I was like, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. So all of a sudden, you guys, it got eerily quiet. Pretty soon, I couldn't see anybody. And pretty soon, it got very, like, still, like the calm before the storm. And I'm breathing. It's, and I had this mask on, so it's fogging up. And I'm breathing. It's like Darth Vader. <laughs> just getting nervous. I'm like, and everybody's breathing. I just felt so weird. I'm like, something's not right. Something is amiss. And I get up and I turn around and there's a guy standing right behind me. One of the enemies, well, a buddy of mine, but he's an enemy at this point. And he's standing right there. Now the rule is if you throw your hands up and say, I give, they don't shoot you. But I hung around with a bunch of jerks. So they didn't care about rules. So I'm like, I, I said, I surrender. He's like, boom, boom. But he just starts pelting me and I'm getting nailed. And I'm like, stop. It's like slow motion. No. And, and, I, and I'm yelling, and all of a sudden, boom, right through my mask, through my mouth guard, in my mouth. So now I'm eating paint, and I'm like, my God, I ripped my mask off. I'm like, <laughs> just all over. It looked like we were filming like the, the zombie apocalypse movie. We looked, you guys, when we were done with this fun time, this fun Saturday morning, we looked like we had literally been in a battle. And, and I look, and we were, we're comparing welts on the way home. I'm, I'm getting paint out of my mouth and off my face. And we're looking at these welts, and I'm thinking to myself, Billy Joe Jim Bob was correct. We weren't prepared for the battle. We were not prepared for the fight. I mean, we looked good if we were going to some, you know, comedy club or some uh, club, but we didn't look good for the paintball scene. And it was, it was bad. And my point is, I do have a point, believe it or not. My point is, we are in a battle. We are in a series called Battleborn. And I wonder, I wonder if you... We're like me that day. And if some days I'm like me that day, where we show up on the scene, maybe it's our job, maybe it's with your children, maybe it's in a relationship or a lack thereof, and you're in this battle, but you are not equipped for the fight. Like you are dressed like I was dressed that day. And paint's coming at you. Little, little spheres of death are coming at you and they hurt and they sting and you're getting nailed. And you're wondering where they're coming from. You're wondering who's behind you and you're totally just susceptible to whatever happens. This is why we're doing this series. This series, if you're new, it's a series based on the armor of God. This is something that Paul writes about in Ephesians. Ephesians is a book in the New Testament. So New Testament, that's after Jesus came to earth and after. So Jesus, after Jesus died and rose, he rose up into heaven and then he sent his Holy Spirit. And he equipped his first church and Paul was one of the pioneers. Paul would plant churches and one was in Ephesus, modern day Turkey. And he wrote this church and he was writing to you and I. And he's saying, you guys... When you're in Christ, when you give your life to Christ, you still need to armor up. You still don't go to the paintball. You still don't go to Billy Joe Jim Bob's and not wear anything and not, not be protected because you will get killed. And, and, and so Paul starts unpacking the armor. So last week we looked at the first piece, first piece called the belt of truth. And we, and we learned last week that the belt of truth is our foundation. Without that, nothing else matters. I mean, unless you're grounded in truth, I mean, what is, what is your moral compass? What are you living by? There's got to be something, right? It can't just be what you think is right. And so the, the, the foundation is the belt of truth. But we learned we must act on the belt of truth. 
in order, to, in order for it to work for us. That was the big premise of last week. You can go back and watch messages, YouTube, listen to them on iTunes or Spotify. They're all there, but if you missed last week, check it out because you need the foundation. But listen, I'm going to give you a couple scriptures. You don't have to turn there yet because I'll have you turn somewhere else. But in Ephesians, this is Paul starting off with the armor of God. Listen to what he says. He says, you guys, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy. We have an enemy. In this time of evil. Then he says, after the battle, you're going to be standing firm if you do what I tell you to do. Stand your ground, verse 14. Put on the belt of truth, the first piece. Put on the belt of truth, and then the second piece, the body armor of God's righteousness. This is what we're looking at this week. So if the belt goes on first, the righteousness is right behind it. And it makes perfect sense, because do you know what righteousness is? It's living out the truth. So it's, it, it's that belt of truth. When you live it out, you're being righteous. You're automatically putting on the breastplate or the body armor of righteousness. It's sat on the belt of truth. It, 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 that's what the belt of truth is so important because it's going to hold up that, that, that breastplate of righteousness. So this is what he talks about. So truth first and then righteousness. So what is righteousness? It's kind of a big word. What do you mean by that? I'll tell you that the title of today's message is part of, part of the answer. Do the next right thing. Righteousness is doing the next right thing. But it doesn't stop there. It's got to be according to God's standard. Okay? Because, I don't know, I'll speak for me. Sometimes what Monty thinks is right and what God thinks is right, eh, they don't quite, I don't know, line up. Is that just me? So it's got to be according to God's standard. When I was, uh, I was in high school and there was a high school dance. Actually, it was a wedding dance. Um, and it was in the summer, and we all went to it, me and my friends. What's, that's what you do in a small town. There's a dance going on, you go to it. So I go to this small dance, and I'm dancing with one of the cutest girls in high school. Because that's how I rolled, you know what I'm saying? I mean, whatever. I'll just, I can make stuff up, too. So let me have my fun. I have the mic. So, but she was cute. So I'm dancing with this girl throughout the night, and one of the guys at the dance obviously didn't appreciate it. He wanted to dance with that cute girl. But there, that's, he can't do that because she was my cute girl, okay? So he couldn't, but he thought he could. So here's what happens. We walk off the dance. Me and this girl get done dancing, and I slow dance. We walk off the dance floor, and this guy walks right, like, like he's passing us, but he puts his shoulder into me, boom, and nails my shoulder like this. And I thought, okay, there's what Monty thinks is right and what God thinks is right. God would say, you know what? Just pray for him. He's probably hurting people, hurt people, and he struggles. You know, may, may, turn the other cheek or turn the other shoulder. Let it go. But you know what? Monty wasn't walking with God at this time, so I didn't care what God thought. But Mo what Monty thought was right was I turned around and I said, listen, you got a problem? So that's what I said. And, and he walked right up to me. Now, understand this. Monty in high school weighed about a buck 20. Small dude, okay? This guy was way bigger than a buck 20. But for some reason, when he approached me, I had this courage about me. I was just like, I felt like I could take him. I, maybe it was the six beers I guzzled before I walked into the dance. I don't know. Whatever. It could have been. But that's what you do in a small town. Don't judge me, okay? I was not walking with Jesus. I'm just being honest with you. This guy's in my face, and I'm in his face, and we're yelling back and forth. And, and pretty soon, all my buddies are around. And again, he's way bigger than me. But again, I, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, the spirit of Jack Daniels. And I'm like, I'm going back and forth. He's going back and forth. And all of a sudden, the spirit 
of the Lord, it wasn't the spirit of the Lord, it was my spirit, compelled me to do the, this next thing, the next right thing according to me, and I headbutted him as hard as I could. I don't know, I, that's what I did. Then I blacked out, thank God, because, because what happened afterwards, everybody flooded in, small town, and they pulled me away, and they pulled him away, and I tell you what, I'm so thankful for Jesus that they did, because he would have murdered me, okay? I'm just being honest, I would have died. I would, so there's, there's, there's what we think is right, and then there's what God thinks is right. I, I, you know, when my kids started going to service, I knew they were going to learn about, a lot about dad. But that's the chance you take, right, kids? Don't do what your dad did, okay? Again, don't do what your dad did if you don't get nothing else. So listen to me. Righteousness, I'm going to take you on a journey today. We're going to go on a journey together. It's going to seem weird right away from the story that we're going to unpack together. The story is in Luke 19. If you bought a Bible or a mobile app or device, go to Luke 19. In the New Testament, right, it starts Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All those tell the story of Jesus' life. So Luke is writing this story, and listen to what he starts off. And I'll give you a second to get there. But it's Luke 19, verse 1. So what we're looking at here is the life of a notorious sinner. It's weird. I know, we're talking righteousness. This guy is anything but that. But just hang with me, okay? It's got to be a journey, and we need to go on it together. So, chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region. That means he was a tax collector, and he was in charge of other tax collectors. And he'd become very rich. That's what tax collectors were rich in the day, especially a chief tax collector, because he's not only making money from what he's doing, but he gets a portion of what the other tax collectors are doing. And tax collectors did not have a good reputation, okay? They didn't. It would, they were known to skim off the top. That's how they got so rich. They, and plus, he was a Jew. So the, Zacchaeus totally was, the Jews hated him because he was working for the Roman government. The Roman government hated him because he was a Jew, but he didn't care. He was making money, and that's what was important to Zacchaeus. So he's making money, and in verse 3 it says, listen to this. This is weird, because this isn't, this isn't Zacchaeus' normal behavior. He tried to get a look at Jesus as Jesus was going through Jericho. He tried to get a look, but Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. I don't know why I say it with an Irish accent. It just sounds better. Like a little leprechaun. Uh, so... Okay, Zacchaeus was, so it says he was too short to see over the crowd. Zacchaeus, okay, Zacchaeus some of you grew up in church, you know the, the story. But he was a short guy. Like some scholars believe, like oh, a couple of them believe that Zacchaeus, check this out, he was so short that when, even when he smoked weed, he couldn't get high. I mean, that's short. See, he could, he could only get medium. He, could only, he couldn't get high. Immediate. Okay, anyway, so, uh, all right. So, welcome to Meadows. I apologize in advance. So, uh, so he was a short dude. So he, he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to get a look at Jesus. So check this out. A Jewish men, prominent men, a, a tax collector is a prominent, prominent role. Okay, it is. It might, he may not be liked, but it is a prominent role. Jewish men, for one thing, they, they would never run. Jeez, Jesus was a Jew. He didn't run on the water. He walked on the water. We don't have, we don't have a record of Jesus running anywhere. But, but Zacchaeus is running. And then he's scaling a tree. Something else a grown man, a grown Jew would never do. But God is doing something. Zacchaeus is at, we don't know the whole story, and I can't wait to meet Zacchaeus one day and ask him. But something is compelling Zacchaeus to climb up this tree. It's weird because according to what makes us happy, Zacchaeus had it all. 
I mean, he had a prominent job. He's making good money. He would have had possessions. But yet he runs and scales a tree looking to be fulfilled. What? See, I believe many of you and me some days in my life, we are Zacchaeus. And, and you're here today and you're in this sycamore tree. What I mean by that is you might be living a life where you're like, I, I, I've been doing these things, I've been searching these things, I've been seeking these things, but there's something still not right. I'm still so off, I'm still so depressed, I'm still so sad, I'm still so unfulfilled. And you've scaled a tree, a sycamore tree today, and this is where you sit. I say you scaled the tree because you're here today, because you're in, you're seeking something. You're here today not by accident, I promise you. You might think that you got just invited here, but it was way bigger than that. So you're in this tree with Zacchaeus, and so am I. Verse 5, when Zacchaeus came by, excuse me, when Jesus came by, he looked up. I like that. He intentionally looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must, say must, must. Jesus said, I must be a guest in your home today. What? That's odd, Jesus, that of all the people, the thousands of people, you would look up to see a man named Zacchaeus, call him by name, which is weird. I'll bet you Zacchaeus hadn't heard his name in a long time. And this is where we start to, we start to put some things together. You ready for this? So the armor of righteousness, the, the breastplate of righteousness, you know, you know what the name Zacchaeus means? Righteous one. Righteous one. Is Zacchaeus living a righteous life up to this point? No. Absolutely the opposite. But Jesus looks up, and names in this culture were huge. Like, I know in this day and age, we, we have to look up what our name means. They didn't have to. Names were a big deal. People, Zacchaeus knew what his name meant. He just wasn't living it. The people that knew Zacchaeus knew what his name meant. They just weren't calling him by that name. They were not doing it. But Jesus looks up, and he calls him righteous one. Zacchaeus. It's like he's saying to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you're not who everybody is saying that you are. Zacchaeus, you're not the things that you've done. It's so interesting, but we accuse ourselves, don't we? We start to believe the lies, not only that other people have labeled us, but what we label ourselves. We've learned in this series that the devil is an accuser. He accuses all the time, calling you by where you've been, calling you by what you look at online when nobody else is around, calling you by, by the people that you've hung out with, the things that you've done, and he goes on, and he knows if he can accuse you and get you to own that's who you are, and that's not who God said you are, he wins the battle every time. It's why we always say, it's, it's he, accuser, it's his name, the devil. Isn't it interesting that he knows your name, but yet calls you by your sin? But I'm so grateful that today Jesus Christ knows my sin, but yet today he chooses to call me by my name. Zacchaeus, come down. Not, not, not sinner, not heathen, not cheat. Zacchaeus, come down. So Zacchaeus, and look at Zacchaeus' response. Don't miss this. Remember what Jesus said? Zacchaeus, quick, come down. Listen to the next verse. It says, <laughs> go figure, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down. He took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. Sometimes we overcomplicate Christianity, okay? You don't need to overcomplicate it. You listen to Jesus, you do what he says, your life will change. Zacchaeus, quickly come down. Zacchaeus comes down quickly. Okay, wow. I'm going to your house. Hey, come to my house. 
It's, it, it's not, it is, does not have to be complicated. We make it that way. The devil wants us to make it that way, but it doesn't have to be that way. Zacchaeus did what Jesus said. And in verse 7, listen, but the people were displeased. Here they say, here they say what we just talked about. He's gone to be with a guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. They still can't call Zacchaeus by his name. They're still labeling him a sinner. They can't even say his name. You ever have something good happen in your life and people can't celebrate it with you? See, if that's the case, those are the people that you probably don't want to hang out with. If somebody can't celebrate something exciting happening in your life, I, I don't know. It seems to me that we live in a culture where people like to, they almost thrive on somebody else's failure. Because then it makes us feel better about ourselves. Man, you wrap yourself around people that lift you up and elevate you. You deserve that. You deserve better than that. That's what, that's what Jesus was showing Zacchaeus. They call him notorious sinner. And, and, and I wonder how much he heard that. Zacchaeus, you're a liar. You're a cheat. You're a turncoat. You're a traitor. You're stealing from us. You're one of us, but you steal from us. But Jesus doesn't do that. Man, don't listen to the opinion of others. If they love you and they love the Lord, okay. They might, they, they might have some uh, equity to speak into my life, but if they just have an opinion, everybody's got an opinion, okay? Especially online. My gosh, when Bible Boy 427 tells me I'm not doing something right, I really don't care what Bible Boy 427 says. Don't care. Don't know him. Don't need to know him. If I don't know you and you're speaking something to me, delete. It isn't that difficult for me. It isn't that difficult for me. I need people in my life that will elevate me and give me truth. That's what I want. That's what Zacchaeus wanted. When I first got clean, if you don't know, I was, I was addicted to drugs for many years before I met Jesus. And I'm, I want to tell you something. I tried numerous times to quit and couldn't do it. When I finally felt like I had a grasp on it, I met Jesus at a church, much like Meadows Church, much like where you're sitting today. And I'll never, and I still was on shaky ground. And there were people in my life that weren't, they, they were people that I would hang out with, people that I would use with, people that I would do life with. And they loved me. They would say they loved me, but they didn't love Jesus. And what, what the, they were such naysayers, like, you know what, Monty, you'll be back. You'll be back. Oh, you're not going to the bar tonight? Well, you know, we'll, we'll see about next week. Oh, you're going to church again this week? Oh, you're going to serve? And they would keep making comments about things I was doing. But finally, I had to say, you know what? This is a new day. I know I failed before. I know I messed up before. But today is a new day. Somebody, you need to know that today for you is a new day. Today is a new day. See, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what others say about you, what other people think about you. It only matters what God thinks about you, okay? You are not your mistakes, you, and you got to stop owning that, okay? Your maker defines you, not your mistakes. Your maker defines you. And in, in the next verse, we have the very first words. In fact, these are the only words that Zacchaeus ever speaks in the word of God. You ready for it? Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord Jesus and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. Notice Zacchaeus refers to Jesus as Lord. And if I have cheated people of their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Zacchaeus, in this moment, declares his love for Jesus Christ, declares his deity by calling him Lord. And then he totally says, this is what I'm going to do. And it's completely the opposite of what I've been doing. I'm going to do the next right thing, not according to what Zacchaeus says, but according to what my Jesus says. And he does it. And Jesus, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. 
For this man has shown, say shown. He hasn't declared. He hasn't written it. He hasn't just said it or, or, or talked about it. He's shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Zacchaeus puts on the body armor of righteousness. That's what he's doing. He stands in front of the truth, which is Jesus Christ. He puts on the armor of righteousness, not by his declaration, but by, but by his demonstration. This is what he does. And this is the main point. I love it. I love this so much. Listen to me. If you get nothing else, get this. A life, say a life. A life of righteousness starts or begins with repentance. This is, this is key. Some of you might be like, what, what's repentance? Great question. Repentance, repent, it means turn away. It means I'm not only changing my mind, it starts here. It's got to start here. But you're changing your mind, but you're changing your behavior. You're going a diff different direction. It does not mean you have it all figured out. It does not mean you know what the end result is. It does not mean you know the destination. It just means you're taking a step that way. This is repentance. And why I'm telling you that Zacchaeus did this because he said, this is what I'm going to do. It involves the will and the mind, both. Ephesians is an incredible book. That's where the armor of God is found. A few chapters before that in, in Ephesians 4, 21 through 24, I'll put it up on the screen. This is repentance. I want to just show it to you so you can visible, visibly, tangibly see it. Paul, again, writing to the church and to you and I. Ephesians 4, 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth, okay, you've heard about Jesus, you've put on the belt of truth, You've heard about Jesus. You've learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off. Say throw off. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted. Your thoughts. It's corrupted your attitude. And then he says, instead, let the spirit, that's Jesus Christ in you, renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Verse 24. Put on. Say put on. If you throw something off, you need to put something on. Okay? Otherwise, you're just going to be standing there naked. And nobody wants that. Okay? Just saying. So, if you take something off, you put something on. So many times, so many times in my life, I try to just quit. Oh, I just need to quit talking that way. I need to quit hanging out with those people. I need to quit doing drugs. I need to quit. Okay, that's great. But what are you going to replace it with? Okay? You can't just throw off and not put on. If you don't replace it with something, you're going to go back to the well. I promise you. That's why throwing off is like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. Zacchaeus said, I'm not going to steal from people anymore. I've thrown off that old nature. But Zacchaeus didn't stop there. He said, I'm going to put on something. I'm going to actually pay him back four times as much. Wow. So you're not, just, you're just not, you're, you're not only going to not do that anymore. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna replace it with doing something better. This is so key that you catch this. Throw off and put on. Put on a new nature created to be like God, truly righteous. You hear that? A new nature, truly righteous. Righteousness, truly righteous and holy. Doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. But it means true change is happening in your life. You will start to think differently when you repent and you turn. You will start to live differently. A life of righteousness begins with repentance. So many people miss this. Okay. I missed it most of my life. And I think most people are in this camp. 
And I'm not afraid to say it. I love you too much not to say it. I think there are a lot of people that would say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe in Jesus, I'll thank you again for being here. Keep coming back. I'll keep, I'll keep showing you his word. I will love you. I will walk with you. I won't judge you. I'll, keep, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll do whatever I can for you. Thank you for being here. But a lot of people, okay, me, I believe in Jesus, but I haven't repented of anything. I haven't turned. I mean, well, I believe in Jesus. I would say that to anybody, but I would still be doing that, hanging out with him, looking at that, talking like that, acting like that, posting like that. Wow. You believe in Jesus, but there's no, I mean, you don't look any different than anybody else. No different. In fact, I know, I know, I know unbelievers that live a more righteous life than you do. That would not be hard for people to see in my case. <laughs> I wrote down, God seeks and saves. He does. That's why he came. Do you know what our part is? Believe and repent. We've got the belief down, most of us. So, some don't. I'll, again, keep coming. I'll keep loving you, whatever. <laughs> I believe. I'm a believer. I love Jesus. I, he doesn't reflect most of my life. I look no different than anybody else, but I believe that was me. That was my story. And I'll tell you that my wife Jody and I, um, before we got married, we lived together. And I would say, what's the big deal? That's pretty much what you do, right? And I'll justify it to you all day long. I'm going to save money. We're paying, we don't have to pay rent at both places. You know, we get to know each other. I mean, if, if we're not compatible, we're going to figure that out. And then we don't get married and everybody wins. I'll justify it to you all day long. You know, I, that's, that's what I did. We lived together for like three years before we got married. We went, to the, we went to the church. And I remember being at the church and I thought, I didn't think nothing of it. I mean, that's, I, I thought, what's the big deal? This is what you do. And the church didn't call us out. I don't blame them. They maybe didn't even see that. I didn't tell them. They maybe didn't see we had the same address. But I wasn't going to go there. And if they're not going to go there, I'm not going to go there. See, that is... <laughs> That has given the enemy a, a foothold in your life. Can I just say that to you lovingly? I, 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 want you to, I want you to learn from your pastor's stupidity. I've made so many mistakes. I can preach to you for the next 70 years, and I can't get all my mistakes out. I've got so many. So righteousness, if there's righteousness, then there's unrighteousness. So righteousness, doing the next right thing according to God's standard, what's unrighteousness? I wrote this down. Creating an environment that invites the enemy in unrighteousness is you are creating an environment that invites the enemy in. That's what I did. And I take ownership. Not, not Jody, not anybody else. I was a spiritual leader, supposedly. That's what I would tell you anyway. Wasn't living that way. So, so I did that. And I invited the enemy in. And, and you might say, well, it's not that big of a deal, Monty. It's not like you sold your soul to the devil. No, maybe not. But I'll tell you what, I rented it out. I rented it out. That's what I did. And if I, when I look back today, I see it much, so, so much more clearly. My addiction and the real struggles in my life, you know when they happened? After that. I never tied them together. I'm like, what's the, how's that going to impact this? Oh my gosh, was I wrong. I look at the downward spiral of my life, and it, it began at that moment when, when, we st when we were living together. Things just went worse and worse and worse. And I can tell you, oh, it's a coincidence. It isn't. The more that I study scripture, the more I know that, that our obedience is tied to God's blessings. And, and I, I need you to know this. I want you to learn from mistakes I've made. I wasn't guarding my heart. I wasn't helping guard Jody's heart. I wasn't doing that. You know, think about the, think about the breastplate of righteousness. What is, it, what is it protecting? The heart. 
That's what the breastplate protects, the internal organs that are so critical and crucial, the heart. Proverbs 4.23, listen, guard your heart. Oh my gosh, the breastplate, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Boy, I can speak to that all day long. It determined the course of my life in so many ways. Somebody, somebody, what you need to hear is you've been trying to change from the outside in. I just need to put, I just, he said, throw off. You can throw off all you want. But in, until you start putting on and putting in Jesus Christ, it won't matter. Changing from the outside in is exhausting. It's miserable. And even if you sustain change for a little bit, it won't last. It's got to come from the inside out. It has to begin at the heart. This is so, Zacchaeus. How do we know that Zacchaeus was truly repentant? He's truly going a different way. How do we know? Do you know how we know? The very thing that mattered the most to Zacchaeus, the very thing, was the very thing he gave away. That's how you know. Not only did he give it away, he didn't just say, I'll pay you back for what I stole from you. He didn't say, I'll just pay you back double what I stole from you. He said, I'll pay you back four times. Zacchaeus has had a heart change. You can't deny it. A guy that cares about this and then starts doing... That's why Jesus talks about money more than anything else, I'm convinced. And I've shared that story with you too. No one's probably more greedy than your pastor at a time in his life. And the last thing I would ever trust God with was tithing 10%, returning 10% to God. Are you kidding me? No way, God. Unrighteousness. Creating an environment that invites the enemy in. I can, I can point to almost the exact day when I start returning 10% to God and how my life started to turn around. I, 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 that's my story. I, that, I'm just telling you. And for a guy that's selfish like me many days, and a guy that, that apart from Jesus, my heart is so greedy, when I start giving back, and now I joyfully return 10% to God, I never thought I'd say those words. I joyfully return 10% of my income to God. It's like saying that isn't even real. It's like somebody else talking through me because that's not me. I'm not, that I, I the, never in my, in my wildest dreams did I say I'd ever speak those words out loud and believe them. Do you know why I can say that? Tithing. It's not even a money issue. I thought it was. Lost my money. It's a heart issue. That's why Jesus was so adamant about it. He could care less about your money. It's not even your. He says, I love you. I desperately want your heart. When you when he, when he has your heart, everything else follows. The heart in Acts 2, I want Meadows to be an Acts 2 church. If you haven't read Acts, maybe, remember what I said, 10 minutes a day in God's word for the rest of your days will change your days. If you're not reading God's word, start today. Start 10 minutes. In Acts 2, that's the first church. Remember Jesus? Remember when I said he died and then he rose and then he hung out for about 40 days and he went up and sent his Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit... The Holy, when, when the Holy Spirit's in you, that's what a Christian would say, I'm a believer, the Holy Spirit's in me. If it hasn't changed you, you Jesus probably isn't in you. Just, again, I want to just speak real with you. You can't say that Jesus is, the Holy Spirit's in me, but I'm not changed. That's impossible. The first church was radically changed. Jesus sends his Holy Spirit, check this out. Peter preaches the very first church message. Listen to what Peter says. Very first church message. In Acts 2, 
it, it ties back to what we're talking about. Just trust me. Acts 2, 37 and 38. Peter preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter preaches, our Lord has died, but our Lord is now alive. And because of that, we can be saved and set free, not just today, but forever. Listen to the response from the people, from the church, from you. Listen to what they say. Peter's words pierce their what? If it doesn't pierce your heart, true change won't happen. This is how you know repentance and true change is happening. Peter's words pierced their heart. And they said to him and to the other apostles, listen to this, what should we do? Not what should we pray? What should we think? What should we write? What should we say? No! Zacchaeus shown himself. He did. What should we do? Peter replied, each of you must what? Repent! He doesn't say each of you must just pray this prayer. Each of you must just tell people you believe that Jesus is Lord. He says, repent. Turn from what you're doing. Quit doing that with her. Quit looking at that. Quit going there. Quit talking that way. Quit gossiping. Quit lying. Quit stretching the truth. Quit. But I can't. You can't alone. But with Christ, all things are possible. We need to start believing that the power is powerful. You must repent of your sins and turn to God. Throw off, take on. It can't just be, well, I believe and I'm good. You're not. Belief is the beginning. You gotta believe you're right. But after that, it requires you to throw off, put on. A life of righteousness begins with repentance. Zacchaeus repented and he paid back and he did what was right. He was changed because Jesus Christ changes everybody he meets. So, so if you're wondering where, what it all begins, okay, pastor, I get it, repent, righteousness, it's all good. What does that mean for me? Well, repentance begins with admission or confession. So for, for many of you in here, it's admitting where you're not walking with Jesus. You already know it. The Holy Spirit will show you that. I don't need to tell you that. Admitting, confessing. There's such power in that. Every weekend, I pray that the prayer team is flooded with people. Every weekend, I pray that rather than going that way, most of the church will come this way because they're in desperate need of prayer. They desperately need the Lord. They desperately want to admit where they're wrong and they want to get right. They want to confess to somebody so that they can find healing. This is my prayer. You've been, some of you, you're, you know the secret that you're living. You know the lie that you're living, but today you can admit and you can start to repent and turn and turn to God like Zacchaeus. And don't be like me. Well, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying, praying, praying. Prayer is powerful. But listen to me. If you're not, if you're not repenting, it impacts your prayer. Can I show you? Don't take my word. Don't ever take my word for it. Always trust Jesus. James 5.16. See, I prayed boldly that God would remove my addiction for years. Begging the Lord. Miserable, bawling in my closet. Holding the drugs in one hand. Begging God. I don't want to do it. I'm hurting people that I love. And I'm like, you don't hear me. Nothing is changing. You know what God is saying, Monty? I hear you. 
I just don't see you taking any steps in that way. Your, your, your phone is still full of the same contacts. You're still going to the same places. You're still talking to the same people, but yet you want change? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I'll read it again. The earnest prayer of a what? Righteous person. So, so if a righteous person, ha their, their prayer has powerful and wonderful results, that must mean an unrighteous person, from what Scripture is telling me, that prayer isn't near as powerful. That's what I read. I was living a life unrighteously most of my life. And I wonder, God, you don't care. You're not good. You don't show up. You're not answering my prayers. I'm still hurting my wife. I'm still hurting my kids. I'm still hurting people. I'm still a liar. I'm still doing whatever I did. God's like, you're right, you are. Throw off, put on, take a step, delete some contacts. Quit going there. Quit talking like that. You move and I move. God says, you move and I move. God, you want me to do all the moving, but you just sit there and do the same old thing. It doesn't work that way. Somebody told me, Monty, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. Boy, that, that struck a chord. You can put whatever you want in the subject. If church is important, you'll find a way. If prayer is important, you'll find a way. If the word of God 10 minutes a day is important, you'll find a way. It's true. I can't deny this statement. If it's important to you, you will find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. It's what you'll do. It's what you'll do. I'm not judging you. I'm preaching with you. I hope you hear that. My gosh, no one's made more excuses than me. Nobody. If it's important to you, you'll find a way. It was important for Zacchaeus to get close to Jesus Christ. That was important. The dude scaled the tree. He ran when no one else was running. Okay, well, this is different. Something is important to that man. Because it was important to Zacchaeus, so he found a way, right? He was up in the tree. He found a way up there. You know what was even crazier about the story? It was more important for Jesus to find his way to Zacchaeus. Let me give you a little more context to the story about Zacchaeus and this sycamore tree that you might be familiar with. You might not be familiar with this part. Jesus Christ was on his way to Jerusalem. That's where he was going. Jericho was on the way from where he was coming from, Galilee. You know what he was doing? He was on his way to die. This is, the, this is at the end of Jesus' ministry. He's literally a week plus out from being dead. So he's going through Jericho on his way because he had a mission. I mean, that's why God, that's why he came, right? God sent his son to die for you and for me. But Jesus goes through Jericho, and I'm sure the disciples are like, all right, yeah, we can do this. But Jesus stops. He stops. Jesus, you're on a mission right now. You get that? Like the most important thing that could ever be done in the history of the world, you're about to do. And we're stopping by this tree to look up at this loser, this guy that's sinner, this heathen. Okay, wait, wait, Jesus. Now you're, now you're going to invite him to come down and we're going we're gonna to go to his house and hang out? I bet the disciples are like, we don't have time for this. We got things to do. We're going to the festivals and the disciples didn't even get what was going on. Jesus did. Jesus knew exactly why he came. Jesus knew exactly why he went to Jericho. He knew where he was going. He was on a mission, but he always had time for people, didn't he? So he stops and sees a man dead on the inside, seeking him. Notice Zacchaeus had to act. Notice Zacchaeus had to actually get up in the tree. 
He didn't just sit in the crowd. Jesus moved when Zacchaeus moved. Zacchaeus was up in the tree and said, then Jesus all of a sudden, oh, this guy's looking. Oh, you're in church today. You're looking for something. Jesus is looking at you right now saying, yep, I'm looking for you. I always thought the story of Zacchaeus was about Zacchaeus seeking Jesus. I was off. Now I see that the story was different. It was about Jesus seeking Zacchaeus. He came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus Christ would stop in a moment when he's more busy than he's ever been and see people came to seek and save those who are hurting, those who are broken, those who are lonely, those who are addicted, those who are depressed, those who are sad, those who are confused. You're who Jesus came for and you need to know something in this place today that if you're sitting here, it means that God has not given up on you. He has not. He didn't give up on Zacchaeus and he won't give up on you. That's why he brought you here. Jesus seeks and saves. You believe and repent. Adam and Eve, it's where it all began, sin. Remember, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Notice something with Adam and Eve. When they sinned, the Bible says that they, they felt shame and guilt. It entered. That's what sin does. And they covered themselves, and they realized they were naked, and they ran and they hid. If you read Genesis, you know what you'll find out? God went looking for them. God walked went looking for them. God's always seeking and saving, always looking for the next person that he can resurrect, that he can interact with, that he can change. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God loves us so much that he would send his son, Jesus Christ. Sin enters the garden and we're screwed. Jesus enters the scene and we have hope. Jesus goes to the cross, true story. He dies on a cross. About a week after Zacchaeus, he would die on a cross. Three days later, he would rise from the dead, the greatest event in history. The center of Christianity. Nothing else matters other than the resurrection. If you don't believe the whole Bible, it's okay, we can talk about it. I do, but, but I'll tell you this. Can you believe that Jesus Christ was dead and is now alive? If you can believe that and you call on his name, the Bible says he will save you. Zacchaeus called him Lord. He repented and he turned. For some of you here today, that's why you're here. You're going to call on the name of Jesus Christ. You're going to say, Jesus Christ, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died. I believe you rose. And I believe you can take away my sins and make me new. If you believe that, commit to it. Sell out to us. Tell us about it. We will walk with you. But know one thing. The devil is a liar. And he will keep lying to you. And this is why we arm ourselves. But I want to lovingly tell the person that maybe you keep seeking things and you're still voiding your life. I need you to know that nothing this world offers, not money, not people, not possessions, not prestige, not popularity, nothing in this world will satisfy you. Nothing. At the end of the day, only Jesus Christ can give you what you so desperately wanted all along. We need you, Jesus. Come into this place today. Make us new. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to recap what God is, I believe, wanting me to tell you. Repentance starts with admission, confession. In moments, the prayer team will be up here wanting to pray with you and for you. 
I beg you to do it with them. For others that you want to go deeper in prayer, man, that's what the whole room over here on the next other side of this wall is for. Let us pray with you. I am begging you. We want to pray with you. You can admit anything to us. I'm, I promise, with me as the pastor here, you've done nothing that's going to shock us. I'm just being straight up with you. It's a safe place. You can tell us whatever's going on in your life. But don't leave here with still secrets and sins and lies that you're believing. Let us love you. Admit it. And for those that you're going to call in the name of the Lord, you're going to commit or recommit your life to Christ, I give God glory for what he's doing in your life. This is your sycamore tree moment. You sit in the tree, and in this moment, Jesus Christ is saying to you right now, quick, quick, come down. You may not have tomorrow. You may not. It is not a guarantee. Quick, come down. I want to go with you. He wants to leave with you here. This isn't church. This is where we gather once a week. Church is, well, I'm looking at church. I'm looking at church. I'm looking at church. Church is going to leave here when Christ is in you. Sell out to him today, I promise. If you do, your best days are ahead of you. Father, thank you so much for your spirit and your truth. I thank you so much for stories like Zacchaeus. You talk about a guy who was messed up and dysfunctional. Wow. I can relate to him, and I believe that a lot of people here can as well. Father, my prayer boldly right now before you is that people will know the truth that they will dispel the lies of not only the enemy, but maybe people in their lives that have been accusing them or lying to them. We rebuke any of that, God, and we, we ask for your truth and your goodness to flood this place. And God, I really pray that people will make a next step towards you. The key to repentance is moving. The key to repentance is action. Zacchaeus climbed a tree, then you saw him. Zacchaeus climbed down, then you ate with him. You hung out with him and you saved him. Wow, so when Zacchaeus moved, you moved. God, I pray with all my heart that people will move in this place today, that they will do whatever you tell them to do. God, if they do, I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody says, amen.